everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Homegrown Apple Sauces Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. How's everyone doing this week? Good. Pretty good. Currently struggling through the Valkyrie Queen fight in God of War, so I'm a little frustrated. Yeah, Thomas tough. knows what I'm talking about. That one's tough. She has approximately 3 billion health. I don't understand. Well, she's a Valkyrie queen. It's it's very obnoxious. All right. Uh, promote, extend, trade. So on this date back in 1985, Coke changed its formula, and it became New Coke. And it flopped hard, went down in history. It's basically like the worst corporate product rebranding change whatever in history by any chance have any of you guys ever actually had new coke uh i don't think so i know they they released like like a couple of years ago when what the hell is that show called stranger things came out so they like rebrewed new coke or, or whatever you do with uh soda but yeah i never had it no, I never had it. When did they go Maybe. back to the original formula? Like immediately. <laughs> oh, okay. Like I, I don't know. Well, very, very quickly. I was reading something though that basically like marketing experts say that it, you know today anyway say that it really wasn't that drastic of like a change, and mm-hmm. it really wasn't that disgusting, and it was really just like boomers being boomers and raging about things that are just kind of made up, which is very in character. And kind of funny. But anyway, um, so yeah, new Coke and uh, product rebranding. So what baseball team rebrandings are we going to uh, promote extend trade here with food in mind? Uh, first, we have the Syracuse Mets who rebrand themselves periodically as the Syracuse Salt Potatoes. Hmm. Then we have... The Binghamton Rumble Rumble Ponies. Rumble Ponies. Rumble Ponies, who periodically rebrand themselves as the Binghamton Speedies. Or Spideys. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. I think Speedies, but I don't know. And last but not least are the Brooklyn Cyclones, who periodically rebrand themselves as the Coney Island Franks. Why don't the Mets affiliates have cool rebrandings? Like we every year we talk about some of the more <laughs> wild ones, and it feels like the Mets don't have any good ones here. I yeah, mean, look, like, these are specifically just like food-related ones. There's obviously, you know, we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks for Cinco de Mayo. There's all of the um, Copa de Diversión Spanish rebrandings. The Mets. No, not the Mets. The Cyclones just did, like, UFO Night the other day, and they had, like, Mercury Mets-looking stuff. So they do do cool things every so often. The Franks is the best one, I think, because I don't know what a Speedy is, and I also don't know what a Salt Potato is, aside from, like, a French fry. A salt potato is literally a potato that's boiled in so much salt water that you don't need to put like butter or salt or anything on it when you eat it because it's but already. Why would I want to eat a 
a boiled potato without butter and all the other good things that make like baked or boiled potatoes good. Because a lot of Irish people settled in Syracuse and there was apparently a lot of salt in Syracuse and I don't know. <laughs> I do not understand this food <laughs> item. I'm I, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to grasp where they're coming from and I, I just can't get there. I've never had one, but I mean, just in concept, you know, a, a baked potato that's salty does sound good. Um. Speedies are really good, I will say. When I went to Bing, and I'm sure Ken, you've had a bunch of them. But it's like shish kebab cooked like chicken, beef, whatever, but just on a sandwich. Okay, that now that sounds appealing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like it's I don't know if it's like a special secret sauce or if it's just like Italian dressing or something like that, but it's very it, it's 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 a good you know good kind of Italian-y sandwich. I'm biased, so it's definitely the Franks. Yeah, I mean it's. I think that I mean I I am extending the Franks again just because a I think hot dogs are better food than potatoes and oh, oh speedies are good but it's and also like just, spins and everything right it's 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 more it's the branding is on on point the logo is on point it's just everything's on point speedies i'm gonna have to trade really even though the speedy itself is good but the logo like if you look at the salt potato logo that syracuse used it's a damn good logo right. the speedies logo is not a good logo it literally is just like it looks like a a Flintstones esque just chunk of meat. I'm trying to look up this. I'm trying to look up this logo, um, and all I'm getting are a bunch of recipes for salt potatoes that involve <laughs> boiling it. Okay, now I see it. Yeah, this, this yeah, that's a pretty good logo. That's pretty it's, good. Yeah, it says like Syracuse. It's like written in butter or something. Like, it's a good logo. The Speedy as a food is a better food, but their logo is just not as good. Oh, wait. I've had a Speedy. What the hell am I? I know what this is now that I'm looking at it. Uh, But yes, this logo is bad. This logo is really bad. Come on. They couldn't come up with something better than this? (laughs) Really? I'm going to look up the Cyclones Frank's logo. Let's see. It's good. It's like Mr. Peanut, but as a hot dog. Yeah, yeah, that's, good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. good. Stuff. No, I, 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 uh, I see where you're coming from, Steve. I think I agree with your ranking there. Yeah, it's just the Speedies people could have done better. Hire a better graphic artist or something. Graphic design was not that guy's uh, passion. It was not no. Speedy's passion. <laughs> no. St. Lucie does not have anything whatsoever. They don't have... I couldn't find any specific rebrands that they've done. I can't find any kind of food or any kind of culture that's related to St. Lucie. But it kind of makes sense because... It's Florida? Right. It's All, all of those Florida cities are, like, super synthetic. They just, like, popped up overnight. And they don't have... With the exception of, like, Miami, I guess. And, and I don't know, maybe, like... Jacksonville or Tallahassee or Gainesville or I don't know. 
Mr. Met with the with the uh with like the flip flops and the and the Hawaiian shirts, cool look. But it's not a. Replay. It is a good logo. Right, exactly. I mean, it's a good logo, and it definitely captures the spirit of St. Lucie and spring training or whatever. But yeah, if there's any St. Lucie, if there's any listeners who are from St. Lucie and and maybe can tell us about some of the great historical heritage of the great St. Lucie, please by all means, um, <laughs> yeah, let us know. <laughs> but until then, uh, let it be known, St. Lucie seems a particularly culturally devoid place. All right, um, move on now to our way-too-early draft updates. And my guy, my guy, Cole Carrig, uh, San Diego State University. They played San Diego State, very confusing, at the beginning of the week. And then they played the University of Nevada over the weekend. San Diego, San Diego State University won their game against San Diego State, um, won nothing. And then they had the game got canceled. And then against Nevada, they won their Friday game. Um, a, a no-hitter. A left-hander uh, starter, TJ Fontaine, threw a no-hitter. They won their game on Saturday. And they're currently playing right now the third game. And Craig so far is 3-4-6 uh, with a walk, a double, triple, homer, stolen base, and on the year, he's currently hitting 344, 382, 570 in 25 games, five doubles, five triples, two homers, nine stolen bases and 13 tries, four walks and 14 strikeouts. He's starting to heat up a little bit now that he's actually playing again. Um, not really worth this 32nd overall pick, though, in my opinion right now. Did we ever get clarification on why he wasn't playing? I know I've been out for a couple weeks here, so... No, um, he missed, I think it was eight games in total. Um, I looked on their, you know, college... Some colleges have pretty decent, like, websites with press releases and recaps and all that kind of stuff. They had nothing as to the reason why. They mentioned that he was missing games, that he missed his sixth consecutive game, seventh consecutive game, whatever... Um, no explanation though. I checked his Twitter, I checked his Instagram, nothing, so I have no clue. Hmm. But he's hitting, so I mean, it's, it's, whatever it was, you know, I don't know, it's hopefully not bothering him anymore, be it something physical, mental, emotional, whatever. But yeah, very odd. Yeah, that's the downside to minor league stuff. There's just so less cov- so much less coverage. Mm-hmm. We need more people like us out there. All right. Um, Ken, Yohandri Morales, yes. Miami third baseman. Uh, yes, he had quite a week. Um, so he started off the week playing against something called Bethune Cookman and went <laughs> three for five with a homer. And then he followed that up the next day at Florida Atlantic, uh, going two for five with a homer and a double. Um, and then in two games against Georgia Tech, uh, the first one, he went one for four with a double. And the second game against Georgia Tech, he went three for three with a double and two walks. So on the week, he went 
nine for 17. He hit 529, 600, uh, 11, 18. <laughs> is um, that good? That is good. That is good. And uh, he walked three times against two strikeouts. So very, very good week. Um, yeah, and he's currently after that, you know, four game s- stretch up through today. Uh, he's hitting 360, 432, 600 on the season. So about where you'd expect uh, preseason. Pretty I good. I if I'm remembering correctly, he caught not a, not a ding on him, but I, I guess a, a possible red flag was that he's kind of like a you know he has the power, but he's kind of a free swinger. So all those walks is like you know it's a good. Yeah, I mean, well, he's still striking out about two times more than he walks mm-hmm. um, on the season, uh, hovering around 20% strikeout rate, um, you know, 11, 12% walk rate. So that's still very much uh, a concern, but uh, this week at least uh, hit a lot more and got on base a lot more than he did. Oh, getting on base is is the most important thing you can do, so... He is doing that quite well. All right. Uh, Lucas, Colt Mudbetter from MSU. Yeah, so since uh, I went back just a little bit more than a week because I wasn't here last week, but over the last uh, 10 days or so, starting from the Mississippi State Series, uh, he's gone three for 16. I know that's not great, but stick with me. With two homers and a double. um, And also walked six times. So that'll that'll play. Um, he struck out four times as well in that in that span. I forgot to write down if he stole any bases. I also don't really care. Um, for the season, he's now been on base uh, either via a hit or a walk in 37 of 39 games, which is just absurd. His batting line on the season is 324, 475, 590 with nine homers, 40 walks, and only 24 strikeouts. Uh, and that's in 183 plate appearances. Um, yeah, I mean, everything's still pointing up for, for him here. Another strong week. I mean, you'd want more hits, but probably just some batted ball luck. He's hitting the ball hard, obviously for power. He's taken what the pitchers are giving him in terms of, uh, lots of free passes. He's not swinging and missing. Um, the most recent mock draft I could find from a, uh, source that I trust, uh, over the prospects live, they had him going 17th to the Orioles, which I think actually makes a lot of sense based on, um, them being a really data-driven team, he's got really appealing uh, contact rates, high exit velocities. Like it, it makes sense that a, a model-heavy team is going to target this sort of bat, um, and especially a team that has shown a propensity to draft like college outfielders or uh, college hitters in general, Jackson Holiday notwithstanding. So um, stock definitely way up from where we started the season um, to the point where he very well may not be, he may be long gone by the time 32 rolls around, which would suck, but so it goes. Yeah. I was going to say that, um, a few of the, you know, trusted mock drafts out there didn't really have led better at all nope. in, in, in the range that we're talking about. And most of that, I guess, was con- where where was he originally from? Sam Colton University. Uh, Samford, I believe. I have Samford down Samford. here, right? So he. Yeah. Blah, 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 da, da, da. I know there's a Sam something. Yeah, Samford. He was at Samford College the last and two then, years, then he's transferred to Mississippi State uh, right, this so year. A lot of question was like, okay, he's going to like 
you know, not that Stanford is bad or nothing, but you yeah. know, he's going to a legit, legit school. How is he going to respond? I mean, you really can't respond better than he kind of has. No, know? I mean, <laughs> look, he's not Dylan Cruz, but the, there's not a lot of hitters better than him in college baseball at this point. I think that's fair to say, at oh. least based on the things I look for. Um, and this is a guy like to your point. He was outside of the top 100 at Baseball America, at Prospects Live. He wasn't in the top 100 for MLB's list. Not that I really take MLB's list to be worth anything. Um, so yeah, his his stock has like rocketed up this spring, basically. And uh, hopefully, I almost I almost want him to to slump a little bit down the stretch or, or in the playoffs somehow, so that he's there at 32. Um, <laughs> selfishly like obviously i want uh, i want the best for all these players but but if he were to to have a little bit of a slowdown i'm sold basically no matter what happens the rest of the way and he if he's on the board at 32 like that's a pick you sprint in i think at this point oh absolutely all right and last but not least is hamilton highs rockolowski thomas uh how is his week Gone. Hi, he had a bit of a slow week compared to what he normally does. One day he went um two for hold on. Max preps is being annoying. One day he went two for three. The next day he went one for five, and then the day after that he went uh one for four. So a little bit of a slow week for him, but whatever. He's he's good. He's the best player in Arizona. And I don't know if he's going to get drafted. It's kind of the same story again with him over and over every week. It's going to be like that, I think. How are his football stats? Um, His football stats <laughs> on the last I checked. Let me go to them right now. Oh, no, that's baseball last year. Did he even Sorry. play football right now? I don't even know. No, definitely not now. But mm. football this year, he... Threw for 900, uh, 797 yards and nine touchdowns with three interceptions. That's not a good ratio. I mean, I don't know anything about football, but having a two-thirds completion rate doesn't sound great. Yeah, I mean, he was he was um, he's like a backup. <laughs> he's he's like also part- like sixteen. <laughs> he's also like a part-time quarterback. It's weird. They, he's not a football player. Like he's a pretty, he's a good one. Like he was a three-star recruit out of football, but obviously he's a much better baseball player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are our way too early draft updates. And now for some updates on uh, actual Mets teams and Mets players. So the Syracuse Mets, they had a series against the Durham Bulls, which is Tampa Bay's AAA affiliate. And they, <laughs> they went one and five, which is uh, a very bad week. And they dropped to 11 and 10, which is third place in the division um, behind Durham, who just spanked them. And then the first place, Norfolk Tides. And they are four and a half games behind the Tides now. Um, you know, obviously, like uh, a month ago, no, like three weeks ago, we were raving about how, you know, Francisco Alvarez is doing and Brett Beatty's exit velocities and everything like that and they're both gone but mark vientos and ronnie mauricio have have uh kept the party going uh this week vientos hit 438 571 750 
with three doubles and a homer. And on the season so far, he is currently hitting 368, 457, 706. And Ronnie, this week, he hit 389, 421, 500 with two doubles and a stolen base. And on the season, he is hitting 360, 407, 720. Uh, you know, Mauricio was player of the week last week, and I broke down some of his habits and, and whatever. Def want to check that out if you haven't already. Um, but a lot of the things that I was saying about Mauricio goes for Vientos, too. The teams that Syracuse has been playing so far have just been really, really, really bad pitching-wise. Um Dorm is actually the first team that they've played so far that has a team ERA that is isn't in the bottom percentile. Uh, Wooster, which is the first series they played this year, they're 19th out of 20 in the international league um, in terms of ERA. Rochester, they're 18 out of 20. Scranton, 15 out of 20. So, you know, it, it's obviously good that they both performed well against Dorm, which is a team that has decent pitching, but you know. Combine the, the the fact that they haven't faced good pitching teams with the fact that, you know, we're basically like three and a half weeks into the season. It's super small sample size. Hard to gauge exactly, you know, how much of all well, the success is, is sustainable and real and how much of it is just kind of um, statistical noise. But it's nice when... You know, they're, they're basically flirting with OBPs around <laughs> 400, 500. Hey, uh, Ronnie's OBP being above 300 is an improvement. That is a very good point. And they're starting to move him around the diamond, which is pretty interesting. Right, right, right. This week, well, not this well, today, specifically as we record Sunday, uh, the Mets finally moved him over to second base instead of shortstop. Um yawn i guess i mean if they moved him to third or into the outfield i'd be like all right now this might be interesting this might be some signaling from the mets that you know they're cooking but i don't know i mean i think i think the idea would be to call him up to play second base um which is probably an easier transition for him than to the outfield and then you play mcneil in the outfield because he's done it before. Or like you move him to the Escobar role if Escobar's completely cooked and mm-hmm. then he's he sure a back, seems it. he's a backup infielder at multiple spots instead of and then Guillaume is just playing defense, which is probably his optimal role. I still very much do not really believe in Ronnie Mauricio here, so No, but it's nice to see that they're at least it let in 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 a reality where it's real enough where he's like an average major league hitter then if he could play most places and it's fine you know he doesn't need to be a starter yeah i mean it's it's i don't have the the data in front of me but just kind of based on memory it, it takes something like he's definitely he's shown improvements on his like line drive rates his ground ball rates his fly ball rates obviously home run fly ball to home run uh, rate when you know you're hitting the ball more squarely and everything like that, and he's improved his strikeout rate on basically all off off speed pitches except for like curveballs or something. But the problem is is that um, Baseball Prospectus had a study that was done a couple of years ago, and it takes a lot more 
um, plate appearances and at bats for like that kind of stuff normalized than we have. It basically needs to have like two or three amounts of the amount of at-bats that he's had so far. So the improvements are there, which is good. It's just, you know, how much of that is real improvement or not. And I guess if you went to, you know, MILB.TV and literally watched every single game and poured over a single at-bat, you could maybe get a better glimpse of things, but I unfortunately don't have that time. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean... There are improvements, and it's definitely good to see. Um, but this week, he, you know, he he kind of has struck out a lot more this week than he has against, you know, the previous weeks. They're facing a team that has better pitching this week than they have in previous weeks. Um, you know, I don't want to say everything's falling apart because that's definitely not the right way to phrase it. But there are like, you know, some some chinks in the armor now that came out that weren't present, you know, a week or two ago when he was on fire and everyone's like, holy shit, Mauricio is the next coming God, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just so tired of the Ronnie Mauricio discourse. <laughs> got like added, added three times on Twitter, which is a lot for me because I don't get a lot of Twitter engagement. Uh, shocker. Um, it's like, I, I just do not want to do this. We're three weeks into a triple A season where the ball is juiced to high hell. Literally meaningless. Would you want to see? Now, let's say that, I don't know what, I don't know the roster situation, you know, going forward with the Mets and whatever else. But let's say tomorrow they had the opportunity to possibly call up Mauricio and play second base. Would you want to see that? Or would you rather be more comfortable with Luis Guillaume playing second? Guillaume. Yeah, I would probably want Guillaume to play in the minors for at a new position for a little bit before mm-hmm. I would have him do that. Like it was the same thing with um in an alternate reality where they call up where they sign Correa. I probably wouldn't want Beatty up already because I would want him to learn left field left field in Syracuse, not left field at in on the Mets because that would be annoying. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like here's here's the bottom line with Mauricio. Like we look at his whole line and it looks really shiny, but he's got a 4.20 BABIP and a 3.60 ISO, while his walk rate is barely improved. And walk rate isn't the end all be all here, but we don't have the granular, you know, plate discipline numbers, or at least I don't have them that I can pull up in 10 seconds. So let's for the moment presume that the walk rate here is a good proxy for measuring the problem with Ronnie Mauricio, which is his his swing decisions we mentioned or i think we talked about in the off season that if he has this level of swing decision problems he needs to have like ellie de la cruz level power which he does not and he's had it so far this year in triple a but it's 81 plate appearances and like i just said the triple a ball is like leaking kool-aid it's so juiced right like it's not (laughs) So so here's the thing, right? So you either have to believe that his power has jumped two grades and these 80 plate appearances are demonstrating that or nothing has or he's improved a little and we're still talking about the same problems because the swing decisions haven't improved and he's just had a hot he's his power got a little bit better and he's had a hot start like the latter seems much more likely to me again, given the run environment. So I, I just can't. 
look, I, I hope I'm wrong. Like, it'd be great if I was wrong and the Mets can use him and he has a great career or they can train him for a starting pitcher, which they kind of desperately need right now. But nothing he's done this year has, has significantly changed my opinion on what I think he is. And I thought he was maybe not even a major leaguer. So. Well, he definitely, I mean, I'm not going to say he has like 80 grade power, but he has well above average power. I mean, in batting practice, he can really. He uh, might have, he might have like, I think it's fair to say he's like 60 raw power, but I don't know that he's ever had 60 game power. No, definitely not game power. But that's the thing is that now he's, he is doing, he's, he's striking out less on, you know, breaking balls. He's hitting, he's making more solid contact, and then obviously making more solid contact, you could play, you you know, you could get that raw power and transition it into game power now, and he's definitely doing that. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with this tangent, except to say he, he has a shit ton of power. Let's see. It's probably somewhere, there's probably an answer somewhere in the middle where... He he hasn't made the improvements to be like one of the best prospects. But like, if he was doing what he was doing in the beginning of April for the rest for the right. until like May or June, then we're talking about a top exactly. five prospect. Right, because then his power oh, yeah. is actually a, his game power is actually a seventy. Like he has eighty plate appearances right now of having seventy game power. That's not that does not mean he has seventy game power. I want to say I, that in order to in order for like K and walk rates to normalize, you needed about. 160 to 200 at bats or plate appearances and then all the other some of the other percentages like line drive rates and ground ball rates and things like that contact was 400 so i mean you're talking about basically a third to two-thirds of a season of a single season which we are quite far away from and i don't think we should i think it's one of those things where we have prospect fatigue with him in like a extreme way where we've been talking about him forever and it's been a divisive uh, conversation for as long as we've been talking about him. But I think he looks better than he has before and it is still too early to say if it's real. So like monitor it and come back to it in a few weeks to a month or a month and a half. And then if it's still happening, then then you're like, oh, hmm, interesting. I wonder if they just call him up instead of trading him, you know. Or I wonder if the pro- or if I wonder if what they get is better, like Lucas was saying. But I don't know. There's probably an answer in the middle where he's enough to be like a maybe more of a bench bat than we would think. Like you DH him against lefties or against righties, and then he sits against lefties, and sometimes he plays the field. You know, like he doesn't have to be a starter to be useful. And we talked about that a lot with how bad their depth is. Like if he is a jerks and profar type thing, where he was a top prospect and flamed out a little bit and was disappointing but then solid like that's fine so i don't know it's just it's too early to tell this year even though it's nice to see profar is entering like his 10th year at his major league yeah that's a damn good career (laughs) that's the guy i always think about with stuff like this because he was legitimately like the best prospect in baseball and that just wasn't he just didn't live up to that now ahmed rosario was the same way like he was a legitimate top prospect and now he's just a fine major leaguer, which is not a bad thing, but it's still, you know. Yep. yep, yep. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's obviously this is a much better conversation to be having than Mark Vientos is striking out at a 45 percent rate and Ronnie Mauricio is hitting, you know, 160, 185 
400. So, yeah, definitely we'll take this. Oh, and pitching, not even worth mentioning. <laughs> Syracuse is pitching. Dylan Bundy is not the answer. Oh, uh, Dylan no. Bundy looks cooked. It was a sm- fine decision, but ooh. Yeah, hey, they tried. Grant Hartwig has only given up one run this season. Yeah, some of the some of the um, bullpen is actually not too bad. Which you know, when you need guys constantly coming up and down, as is basically the career of middle relief pitchers, you need plenty of those kinds of guys in the Mets, especially team. early in their careers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Binghamton. Rumble Ponies now. They play the Hartford Yard Goats, and they're uh, the Colorado Rockies' double-A team, and they went 3-2 and two against them. They had a game postponed today because of the inclement weather, and, you know, I guess it counts as their first series win, you know, not technically, but whatever. Um, Binghamton's pretty bad, so let's, let's give it to I'll them. I'll let them have it. Yeah, exactly. They are 6-8 and eight on the year which is four games behind the Portland Sea Dogs and just one game ahead of the Reading Fighting Phils for being in the cellar in the Eastern League Northeast. Um, the, the biggest name on the team, you know, the guy that your eyes automatically go to first, Dominic Hamill, not really having a good start to the year. I mean, he is, but he isn't. Um, it's kind of a weird season he's having so far. Uh, last start, he needed 75 pitches to get through four innings, which is not great. He allowed just one run, though, on one hit, um, three walks, two strikeouts. Not bad, but not great either. And that kind of exemplifies his season so far. Um, he's made three starts. He's allowed just two earned runs in 11.1 innings. So that's good for a 159 ERA. He's allowed six hits, which is really good in 11 innings. Uh, he struck out 12, again, really good. But he's walked 11 guys in 11 innings, which is not good. And because That's of what we call the, uh, Carson, the, the Levi David. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I was going to actually bring him up later, but... Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I we, it, we're going to talk a little bit about a player that's walking a lot of batters in a little bit. And it made me think like, oh, Levi David, and I know he was in the complex and I haven't looked at his, you know, his page in a while. And in the middle of March, I had not realized this, but the Mets released our old friend Levi David. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So let's pour one out for Levi David. Honestly, some team that is good at uh, getting people to throw strikes should be giving him a deal to see what's going on. He's going to be yeah. an elite reliever for the Rays in six yeah, seasons exactly. at age 32. <laughs> and, and we're all going to yeah. be like, that can't be the same Levi. And then we're all going to look it up and laugh. He's going to throw 12 innings with a zero, with no runs allowed, a 20 to one strikeout to walk ratio. Everyone's going to think he's the next big thing. And then he's going to tear his t- uh, UCL and never be seen again, as is the way for many Rays relievers. <laughs> hey. If you get your name on the baseball card, you've made it. So. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But um, Hamill, though, yeah, he's walking a lot of guys. High pitch counts because of that. He's He hasn't pitched past the fourth inning yet. You know, his MO is always that his command is not great. So, you know, that's why he was drafted in third round instead of, you know, anything before. But, you know, uh, 
for a guy of his stature, you know, top 10 prospect in the system, it'd be nice to start getting a little bit more here. He's got to start throwing strikes. Like, yeah, that's, that's all it comes down to. I think he has interesting stuff, but at some point, if he's going to do this all year, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to probably drop him out of the top 10 next year because he's, it's, it's the name of the game is throwing strikes. If you're going to walk people in double A, it's over. Not that it's over, but it's not a good sign is a better way to put that. It's just not a good. He. And I think the stuff is actually legit, which is the frustrating part. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys where he's walking guys because this, this stuff has just so much movement that it's hard to control. Uh, the other pitcher, the other, you know, big name, quote unquote, pitcher on Binghamton, kind of same sort of season, but different reason. Mike Vassell. Um, ERA is all right. You know, 4.09. It's not really imp- too impressive. It's five runs in nine innings. Um, it's that's eh. he's allowed nine hits in those nine innings, which is eh, all right. Whatever. He's struck out 20. And he's walked one. That is yeah. that is a good ratio. But you know the same. It's almost like the inverse of Hamill. He's not pitching deep into the games. Uh, he's only gotten into the fifth inning once because he's running high pitch counts because he's striking everybody out. Which is he also a he good got hurt last year, right? Yeah. So I wonder if they're being a little conservative with him innings wise, any like up up downs wise. Anyway, right. It's it's only been three games, and one of those games he he had an early uh, exit. Anyway, I think it was only two innings. But you know, it's it's something that is definitely something to watch. Um, his total uh, innings uh, pitched for the year, you know, for however long. But yeah, other than those guys, I mean, you know, Junior Santos is having a very Junior Santos start to the season. And on the hitting side of things, Binghamton doesn't really have like anybody that's particularly prospecty. But JT Schwartz and Matt Rudick are randomly like destroying the Eastern League. Um, Good for them. Yeah. Rudick is seventh in the Eastern League with a uh, 1,004 OPS and Schwartz is 20th with an 852. And, you know, they're not guys that I don't think have particularly um, much MLB upside, if, ever, if if any. But, like Thomas said, good for them. It's it's good to see guys doing well. I kind of like Rudick a little bit. He had a really interesting skill set, and if he's added some power, like, that's legit. Um, again, this is not as much like Mauricio. It's not enough. His 50 plate appearances are not enough to say that his power is meaningfully improved. But if it has... Um, I think you might be a dude. A dude dude or just a dude? Uh, I mean, long dude side. And dude and a half, yeah. Dude like, and, okay. like a <laughs> long side platoon outfielder or fourth outfield type. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be a star or even a starter, but uh, like he's always had really good plate discipline numbers, and everyone here knows I'm a sucker for that. Um, I don't know. I think there's, I think there's something there. If the power gains are real, we need to, we need more time to see if that's actually true. Right, right, right. Uh, 
All right. Uh, the Brooklyn Cyclones now. They play the Wilmington Blue Rocks, and they are the, the Nationals' high affiliate. And they went 2-3 and three against them, and they had the final game of this series um, postponed. Just like Binghamton, um, this is postponed because of wet grounds. Yeah, the weather here yesterday uh, was ridiculous. Yeah. Thing is, it hasn't rained since like 10 o'clock in the morning. Like, the grounds crews had five, six hours to mop the water. Like, come on, guys. You could have gotten that done. But whatever. Um, they are Brooklyn... Five and nine on the year, dead last in the South Atlantic League North. They are five games behind the Greensboro Grasshoppers. Maybe it's good they didn't play today. Um, Alex, Marie, Alex Ramirez, he's had a he had a decent week. Um, nothing really to write home about though. Six for twenty-two with the stolen base, and he's currently hitting on the year two eighty-one, three seventeen. 386 with one home run, two stolen bases, and three strikeouts to 11 walks. I know it's Brooklyn, but I'd like to see some more authority with the. I'd like to see him hit for more authority than. Well, what is it, 386 slugging? Yeah, 386. That's, um, that's a little low. You could hit more doubles and stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that. And Ramirez is one of like four guys that was a teenager that hit double digit home runs last year. I think he hit 11. 14, you know, like low, low teens or so. Um, I don't think that he's ever going to evolve into like no, no, a slugger guy, especially I know, a based on his, his physique, but b also based on his you know like hitting hitting characteristics. You know, we discussed last year a lot of um, not concern, but just. A lot of balls are a lot of ground balls, a lot of low um, exit velocity and low launch angle hits. Um, and, you know, that kind of stuff is what stifles your power. So he's never going to be like a major power threat. But, yes, uh, I agree. Um, it would be nice to steal, you know, some more line drives being sprayed around and everything. Yeah. Because you could slug without hitting. You could slug a decent amount without hitting home runs. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously home runs are the best are the best type of hit, but. If he's a doubles hitter, that's fine, too. And it's not like Mc, Jeff McNeil doesn't slug 380, you know? Right, 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 right. <clears throat> I'm yeah, almost miss. I'm wishing I had gone with my super, like, atomically level spicy take before the season, given the early, early results. It's not that spicy. I've been, say- I've been saying for a long time. I think that they're A and AB, you know, A1A one, a, one a and 1B. One I think that they're really neck and neck. They being, of course, Ramirez and his uh, compatriot Stanley Consuegra. Yeah. Um, Consuegra, his his week was kind of more eh than Ramirez's was. He's three for fifteen this week, but on the season as a whole, he's hitting two seventy five, three seventy three, five sixty nine with four doubles, a triple, three home runs, and I think more more impressive, most impressive, is seven walks to uh, twelve strikeouts. Yeah. He's kind of flying with his radar. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Every time I look, I'm like, I kind of like, <laughs> like, I read things and people are like, yeah, Alex Ramirez looks really good. No one talks about Consuegra. Then I actually watch games or look at their stat lines and I think, hmm, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure I, I mean, look, I'm sure I'm wrong relative to the many other smart people who prefer Ramirez, but 
I think uh, Swagger might be better. But the thing the, the 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 thing is though is that the people that know there's not that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. The people that really really know, you know. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, yeah, from a lot of people I talk to, you say that too. That it's, not, it's not as big as a difference as you think. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember, you know, looking. You know, we had access to Consuegra's uh, Stackhouse data last year when him and Ramirez were in St. Lucie. And then they got promoted up to Brooklyn in like the beginning of June or the beginning of July. I forget, you know, sometime at the beginning of the summer. And then seeing them both, you know, bat consecutively or, you know, close to each other, whatever. Like Consuegra is he's pretty solid, if not more than just solid and ramirez like we were kind of saying before about like some of the concerns about his um exit velocity numbers launch angle numbers ground balls fly balls power all that kind of stuff you know consuegra does not have any of that <laughs> he, he's he's consistently has been one of the most powerful is that a right way to say it i don't know but players in the mets minor league system and, you know, if early returns are showing, like, he's walking a decent bit now. He's not particularly old for the system, uh, for the level, especially in relation to the amount of time that he's missed developmentally. Yeah, how old is he now? I think 22. he's 23, 22. Okay, yep, yeah. 22. Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, that's the best argument for Ramirez over Consuegra still, right? Is that Ramirez is two years younger. Yeah. But I... And defense, he he's a much better defensive player. Yeah, sure, but I don't think he's going to be a center fielder anyway. So, and if he sticks, I don't think he's going to be like a Gold Glove center fielder. Yeah, yeah. I'm also, I, I mean, I also understand there's a timeline in terms of major league value, but in terms of development, like it's not like Consuegra has had two extra years of development to get to this point. He missed time because he was hurt. Like. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that the age is a disqualifying factor here when debating who is the actual better player. Um, I, w- I wouldn't count it again. I mean, it's not like he's 27, you know? Like, no, and it's not like physically he repeated. Demand- yeah. Right. He he Physically, he's in the same, you know, if 20 to 23, let's say. Mentally, you're about the same. Physically, you know, about the same. It's... We like Stanley Consuegra. I think the int- the interesting conversation with Con- Consuegra is going to come next year because mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's going to end this year in Binghamton and he could be a 2024 Met. Like, not right away, not breaking camp with them, but if his projections continue and looking at the absolute lack of outfield depth in the upper minors, there's no reason why in June of 2024 he's not Syracuse's best outfielder. And then in July of that year, he might be in Queens. And that's like a crazy thing to think about, you know, because he wouldn't even be that old. He would be 23, which is fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing everything that we would we want him to see. Yeah. Someone that's not doing everything we'd want to see, unfortunately. I'm not really sure what's going on with him. Yeah, Kevin Parada. Um, he's hitting 208, 361, 333. He's not really hitting, you know, 10 for 61. Not really hitting for much power. He's got three doubles and a homer. He's walking, and he's walking, and he's walking, which is, is we want to see that, obviously, 12 yeah. 
walks to uh, 13 strikeouts. Defense has been yeah, pretty rough. rough. Uh, we spoke about that last week. You know, it's like literally two weeks, so I'm not worried. You know, it's not like the right word to say, but I don't know. You know, you, you it's interesting. Guy, yeah. I don't want to say he's old for the level. Um, maybe he's more experienced for the level than he should be or, or you know, you, whatever the proper terminology would be. You know, he is a he was an advanced college bat. You would want to see him doing better than he is now. Again, two weeks, so he could literally go off next week. And this is just a little funk that he's having right now, and no one's going to remember this, you know, six months from now. But Yeah, what is, he, what is he 10 for 61? Yeah. Like, if you do that in July, that's just kind of a thing you do. Like, 10 exactly. for 61 isn't, like, brutal. It's not good, but play the best players in the world go 10 for 61 sometimes it just is what it is yeah a rough couple of days yeah and i think it's just exacerbated because all of us me included expected him to just destroy brooklyn and um kind of fly through the level and if he's not doing that at the beginning then it's like oh interesting but i think it's just because it's the beginning you know right right i mean the, the last comparable guy to parada was Conforto, I guess, in terms of like super polished college bat that performed. And obviously at the time when Conforto was drafted in, in 2015 or 2014, I forget. But team because he debuted in 15. So. Right, right. OK. Yeah. So, you know, obviously he was being plugged into the Brooklyn uh, lineup in July or August um, after having already, you know, played, whereas right now Parade is coming in cold with the the change in you know how how the draft and everything works um the the new york penn league is obviously different from the south atlantic league in terms of talent and all that kind of stuff but you know when at least in my mind like i see parada and i instantly think conforto and conforto demolished so therefore i think okay parada should be demolishing and not happening and i say hmm and also he's a catcher he's got more stuff on his plate than Conforto right. did in left field or right field, whatever he was doing at the time. <laughs> My God, there is a lot on that plate. <laughs> yeah. And yes. cause that, that also, I know it's, it's hard to quantify, but if you're struggling at behind the plate every day and then that's weighing on you too, when you go up at, at bat, it just, that's life. That's how people are, you know? I mean, I guess the silver lining, two silver linings again, a for, again, it's literally just two weeks, and yeah, that could be a complete blip, and no one cares in a couple of weeks. But he's also walking a ton, and, you know, that's good. If you're walking, you know, you're, you're not completely lost, which is, you know, good, you know. he's Yeah, he's getting pitches to hit, like, when he swings. He's just mm-hmm. right now not doing it, anything with them. And he's he's a home run streak away from it looking real good, and we're all like, wow. What a prospect, you know? So. Right, ex- exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are the main guys on Brooklyn. A uh, couple of, you know, solid to good pitching performances from a couple of starters, a couple of relievers uh, this week. Really the the, the most noteworthy uh, pitcher on Brooklyn is Blake Tidwell. Um, you know, not really doing much to add or detract from his stock just because he really has not pitched much. Uh, he threw four innings in his first start, 
he had a second start that same week, so it was really more than it, it was more of like a glorified bullpen session that start was. And then he was supposed to start this game today on Sunday that got canceled. So, you know, he'll be uh, starting on Tuesday, I guess, with extra extra rest. But they seem to just be want to be careful with him. Yeah, and he had some injury last year, and pitchers are inherently injured risks to begin with so definitely want to see good things from him though his shoulder has not yet imploded i will take that as a win (laughs) breaking stuff looks good when i've seen him yeah last but not least the st Lucie mets and they played the lakeland flying tigers who are obviously the tigers uh single a affiliate and they had a less than optimal week they won two games and then lost four, so they are 5-10 and ten on the season. They are, unfortunately, last place in the Florida State League East, and they're four games behind the Palm Beach Cardinals. Um, similar to Kevin Parada, the main names in St. Lucie, Jet Williams and Jacob Raymer, uh, their hitting is, both of them, eh, but they're walking a ton. Uh, Raymer has 13 walks in 10 games and eight strikeouts and Jet has 13 walks in 13 games, 13 strikeouts. Uh, Raymer's hitting 244, 396, 293. And then Jet is hitting 227, 452, 364. Um, so, you know, as we said a million times today, and we'll continue saying for like another month or so, small sample size. So, you know, realistically, whatever, but it sure would be nicer if these guys got out to like blazing hot starts like Syracuse, you know, I think Jet's line is a little, um, not representative of how he's been though. I think he's been better than that. I think like, Ryder's been better than that too. Honestly, like he, he's hit, a, he's hit home runs. He's had, he's had some, he's put some game power into, into games too. He's put some power into games too. I should say. Like, I know the slugging is in the threes, but I think that's just because he's not making as he's not getting enough hits as you would like to see. He's only hitting 220, but he's had he's done some damage with the ball, which is nice. Let's get out the handy dandy XL. Let's see. Jet has an average exit velocity this season of 85.9. I wonder if he hits a lot of like, he's gonna have like high floors and low ceilings type guy with his velos. A lot of negative launch angles. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of like comically high ones in like the 40s and 50s, which are like kind of pop ups and infield flies. Um, So yeah, let's see. Let's go over to Raymer now. And Raymer is averaging his exit velocity on the season is 89.6. So very, very similar in time in terms of exit velocity. And same thing um, with him, a, a lot more negatives. I'd actually have to, I, I'm, you know, be interested. Well, not really. I guess I know just by basically looking at the numbers, a lot of uh, probably a higher ground ball rate. Not as many pop, not a lot of like the comically high uh, launch angles. So I guess not as many weak pops and 
stuff for him. But I, mean, I, I honestly, and this is my own personal, I have no data to back this up. It's kind of my own personal opinion. Like, I'm less concerned about launch angle at this stage for these guys and more concerned with their swing decisions and raw exit velocities. And I think both of them are doing quite well in those regards. And yeah, be, look, if they were going to come out and have perfect, uh, perfect launch angles on top of that, like great. But I generally think if you have the talent to make good swing decisions and talent to hit the ball hard, it is fixable to get your launch angle up over time. And I think we've seen that at the major league level generally as well. So uh, right, I mean, put another way, say, I'm yeah. like less concerned with them than I am Parada so far, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they're both 19, you know, first mm-hmm. first 10 games in, in professional baseball. There's quite a lot of slack on the rope. Um. But yeah, uh, outside of those two, pretty slim pickings um, in terms of what's going on in San Lucie right now, um, hitting and pitching, really. You know, there are some names, uh, you know, we can go over them, you know, in more detail as, as they start heating up or getting really bad or whatever. But um, one guy, though, pitching-wise, I, I, I think we all had much higher expectations for Jordani Ventura, who is, I don't want to say he's looked lost, but um, not good, specifically the amount of walks that he's issued. 13 walks in eight innings, which is worse than the Florida State League. I'm less concerned than you are, I think, Um, at least based on the framing there. Like, he basically hasn't pitched in, what, two years at this point? As I yeah, click on the wrong Ventura on Fangraphs, yes, I wound up on Carlos Ventura's page, who was a prospect for the Cleveland Indians in 2017. Anyway, like he basically ha- he hasn't pitched at all since 2019. Jesus Christ, right. he has eight professional innings since 2019. Yeah, he made he had he made Tommy John. He had Tommy John. He came back last year, like towards the beginning or middle, and he threw sure. like. Four or five games, a couple yep. of innings apiece, and then they shut him down again. Torres lat, if I recall correctly. So, yeah. like, doesn't surprise me that his control is all over the place. It was better in his last start. He had seven strikeouts and only three walks, um, which obviously isn't good still, but it's an improvement. Um, I mean, I think the stuff is still there. The, the The command is obviously problematic, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing them push him a little bit more aggressively. Like, uh, he's a little old. If he's healthy at the moment and the stuff is there, you don't know how many bullets he has. Like, maybe you get him up to Brooklyn in in short order if the if he has another couple starts where his yeah. command is better. Like, I, I'm, I'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive here while his arm is healthy. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his numbers here. His, you, you could see a. I mean, if you had the data in front of you, like you had, like I do, you could see a progressive improvement in terms of like even velocity of every single pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, his first start, his fastball is averaging 90.6. Then the next one, it was averaging 90.91.1. Then his last one, it was averaging 93. Um, you know, Max is getting a little bit better. 
his his change up, his curveball, same thing. Like that progressively, you know, change up started eighty two, then the next one is eighty two point eight, then the next one is eighty five point one. The stuff is gradually coming back. He's building up stamina and getting back into the groove of things. And again, it's literally eight innings. Oh yeah, it's nothing. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, pretty slim pickings for St. Lucie, other than these guys, which is a bit of a bummer. Mm-hmm. It's been a weird start to the prospect season. I feel. Yeah, a lot. So many, so many prospects, particularly pitching prospects, were you know we kind of assumed that they would be starting in St. Lucie, and then they got injured, and now the St. Lucie. The pitching staff is full of a bunch of, I don't want to say a bunch of nobodies because it's not true, but a lot of guys that were assigned as like, you know, undrafted free agents or free agents over the winter are now in the, on the team and pitching a lot of innings. I'm looking at you, Brian Gursky and Elliot Johnstone and Joey Lancelotti, Jojo names, Rodriguez. These are all names from the Japanese baseball game meme. I don't <laughs> believe these people are real. <laughs> Luke Barnicki, you're saying that he's not real? No, that, that's not a real person. Mm. But yeah, um, you know, there are, you know, outside of, of Ventura, you know, there are some prospecting names Javier Atencio, Leonel Ovias, Douglas Oriana, Jalimni Rodriguez, um, all are doing, you know, Decent to okay, with the exception of Atencio, who's kind of struggling a little bit. Uh, 11 earned runs and eight innings is never good. And nine walks to 10 strikeouts, also not good. But the rest of the guys are doing good. Um, just again, though, such a small sample size. We're talking about literally one start you know, and, and a relief appearance, you know, piggybacking or whatever. So uh, definitely need more time for some of these pitchers in St. Lucie to get their... I don't know what the right terminology would be to to get back in the swing of things and start building up some innings so we can kind of say more definitively like okay these are good trends these are bad trends and not just small sample size trends. Early season prospect content is a challenge. Yes. Yep. Yep. Definitely. But that will not stop us from blowing things out of proportion. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. And Lucas definitely wants the engagement. Um, so yeah, come at me with your best Ronnie Mauricio takes. <laughs> I am at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvajos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at ZedMetSeason, SZN. Uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from rate and review and of course we thank you for listening and as a reminder we are now a patreon based outfit so if you like our podcast if you like any of the other ones in the home run apple network you can subscribe for just five dollars a month and you'll get extra bonus stuff like uh extra episodes and exclusive content 
And of course, the deep down satisfaction of knowing that you are helping to support the bunch of us. So, we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.